going to start my five minutes, um, and I just want to just sort of give a, just read a few scriptures that uh, I feel like become a good foundation for us um, in this this message, this uh, next fifty minutes. Okay, because uh, so this today is a part of our you know Kingdom Lifestyle series. Okay, and you're going to be hearing ten messages about how do we. Uh, have a kingdom lifestyle. Um, but I want to read some scriptures which I feel like I just... Oh, no. Stop it. Oh, dear. Uh, firstly, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 3. If I can find it now. Oh, Danny. Here we go. Oh. Ephesians three seventeen. Then by constantly using your faith... By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. That's like a powerful statement right there. Because we, we don't even know the full gamut of the life of Christ until we act in faith. That's a powerful thing. And in, in uh, the book of, uh, I think it's in Jude, it says that we, can't actually, we don't even... Um, the only way we can ex- explore the fullness of Christ is by physically doing something for Christ. It just like blows my head a little bit. It means that there's no passengers in Jesus, which is good. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. <laughs> Come on. The resting place of his love where he resides where his love relies, will become the source and the root of your life. Christ is in you, and it is our hope and is the hope of glory. We'll get to that one. Um, Oh, man, this is messing me up. All right. Okay, Colossians 3. Here we go. I had all of these saved in the right order. Now my thing's messing it up. You're still with me, aren't you? Yeah, I'm getting there. How many minutes have I got to go? Two. Okay. All right, Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is why we yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honour, authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts and heaven realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Christ in you becomes our strength. Christ in you becomes uh, uh, the feast that we will partake of. And my last little thing in my next one minute that I have remaining, (laughs) Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to actually try and see if I can find it now. Rev 3. Revelation 3, 20. It says, Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in and feast with you and you will feast with me. (laughs) You see, our, our... very foundation of anything that we do 
relies upon Christ in us. He becomes our hope. But he also invites us in, in Revelation chapter 3 to invite him in, to say, come reside. And when he does, then faith stirs up in us and then this greater measure and understanding of all that God is, all that Christ is, becomes even more significant. And so when we embrace Christ in us, we embrace the hope of glory for ourselves, but even more than that, we embrace the hope of glory for all those around us. Amen? This is the foundation that we, we press in for, a revelation of his love in us and a revelation of the glory that, ha- that he has for others. Amen? All right, that's it. That's my start. To, and so I was there on the Friday night. I wasn't there the whole time, but I just wanted to set a foundation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we've got Scott. Scotty. Oh, there's me. There, I was there Friday night, just to prove it. All right, Scotty, come on up. Why don't we welcome Scott? All right, so I just want to build on what Dan has just said about um, embracing Christ in us and also the worship. You, there was this word, you're the remedy for every heart. And for me, the thing that touched me the most about the Awakening Australia event was hearing these personal testimonies. And so a lot of the testimonies were actually from people who, like myself, aren't from a religious background. So I'll just quickly go through my own testimony for about two minutes and then I'll relate what happened in um, Awakening. So for me, I grew up in a very hostile family to religion. I remember when the pastor came to our school and brought all the Bibles, all of my friends, we threw them in the lake, we ripped them up and then went home and listened to Marilyn Manson, Antichrist Superstar that was out when I was in grade, grade eight and nine. So that was, that was sort of uh, my life. And then when I was in grade 12, uh, my grandfather got dementia. And I, my mother's a single parent. So when you're raised by a single parent, often grandparents step in and do a lot of the parenting. And so he was really quite obsessed with me at that time. But I was just like, you know what? I've got grade 12 to do. I want to get into university. So I just focus on that. And uh, once I finished my exams, he actually overdosed on his medication. So I had all, that, had all that guilt. So I went to university and I just was fed, listened to all the lies. I got, I got into alcohol. Um, I basically failed all of my courses because I was just a, a drunk. So I quit university, got a job um, as a spot welder for Mr. Bishy, saved up my money, moved to London with my band. So that was great. Here I am, I'm you know, playing gigs in London I was taking loads of ecstasy, probably about five or six days a week. I was getting high in MDMA. So I quit the alcohol, but then I was, I was into the drugs. So on the face of it, I had this great lifestyle. I was partying, I was traveling, taking all these drugs, which I thought was really cool at the time. But there was this emptiness there and this intense guilt as well. So I came back, I had another death. I don't have time to get into that. That actually had a reverse effect on me. It got me really into, I went back to university, studied like I hadn't before, did an international exchange in Thailand, and I really embraced the spirituality there. Got really into Buddhism, had a huge community. Um, but in spite of that, I was doing everything right. I had the spirituality, had lots of friends. I started having these panic attacks, started having these 
crazy dreams, started having these crazy images. My mind just went absolutely insane. And truth be told, I, ha- I was also partying a lot and embracing that sort of lifestyle as well. So this emptiness was there. Um, it never really, really left me. So there was a, a pastor at the, at the event, Pastor Ben Fitzgerald, who shared a story that I felt was similar to the story that I've just shared. So he said, if anybody can relate to this, uh, put your hands up. So I put my hands up at that time, and he just did the, the sort of deliverance prayer or you know, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, just did the whole, your sins are forgiven, God loves you, uh, all of that. And I just felt this intense heat and just this, just drowning in the, drowning in the spirit. And it wasn't, I mean, it's great what Pastor Ben Fitzgerald did, but it was what God did in me in that moment. It was just this fullness of this love and this acceptance and forgiveness for all that you've done wrong. So it was like all of that stuff of chasing hedonism and even going for spirituality in other ways, partying, traveling, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff that tried to fill that hole was, was just a hole that only Christ could fill. And so yeah, I, I felt those experiences here in Glorify as well. But you know, just being able to be immersed for three days in, in that kind of thing and, and having that being able to do that ceremony was just, was just really powerful. I was just like on the floor for hours <laughs> after that as well. So you've got 30 seconds left. Well, I think what that means for, for us as Glorify is we can actually reach those people that were like me, yeah. grew up in atheist households. They're beholden to this lifestyle of partying and all of that sort of stuff because they're hungry. They, they, they lack that. And this mental health crisis that's going on, this methamphetamine thing that's going on, People are hungry for it, and if we can just, you know, be witnesses to the Holy Spirit, we can feed that hunger. So, yeah. That's good. Thanks, Scotty. All right. So now, um, Roger, Roger the Dodger. <laughs> no, Roger's going to come up and share. Why don't we welcome Rog? Oh, thanks, Dan. <clears throat> I thought I'd bring my phone as well, just in case uh, Dan doesn't work. <laughs> so, there we go. <clears throat> so the podium starts shaking, I'm out of here. Then, so, um, yeah, so what was my little topic on the, the true father part? What my encounter was. You know, just, I don't know, just, just such an awesome time. You know, what do you say? Just <clears throat> like an experience that you try to explain. You know, just kind of, I'll get the idea of a, you know, if we pick a nice juicy lenswood apple straight off the tree, you know, take a big, you know, bite of that. And then we're told, well, you explain the taste of that apple. You know, that's, a, I think, the kind of a challenge in doing something like this, but. But I just want to thank the Father, firstly, for just the privilege, you know, of, of you know, being, you know, with you guys, firstly, uh, but also being part of that contingent that went, you know, to Melbourne. Because um, it was, I don't know, a couple of months ago, there was a post, I think Dan might have put it up on the Glorify site about this awakening thing. Um, uh, and there was a, a meeting at Harvest Church, you know, that was about 
probably about six weeks or so ago, or it could be a couple of months. <clears throat> and before that night finished at harvest, I just knew I was going to Melbourne. And Hannah wasn't with me that night, but she was coming too, as well. But uh, now I could just really see that I could recognise that this was a real move, a real initiative of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and I just want to be part of that. I just want to be wherever Jesus is and what he's doing, that's where I want to be, you know. And, uh, and yeah, just the concept of fatherhood, I just re- remembered, you know, back when Jesus was on the earth that he started doing some things and his disciples, some of his disciples asked him, they said, Lord, show us the Father. Will you show us the Father? Uh, and he said, his response was, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if anyone, you know, and I'm speaking myself too, if we, you know, struggle a bit sometimes with the concept of the Heavenly Father, just just look to Jesus, just look in his face, just be with him and he will reveal, you know, the Father, you know, to us. But, um, but I've just got a couple of things written down, you know, about the Father's heart, you know, what's his will, you know, for us. And, and I think we see it so beautifully revealed in, like, through the book of John, you know, I think we see John, we see how John interacted with Jesus in that relationship, but also Jesus' relationship with the Father. <clears throat> and Jesus said, I think a couple of times, he said, I don't, I don't do anything on my own accord. I do only what I see my Father do. You know, and I think that's, that's glorious as well. But I just wanted to just refer to just a couple. of There was John, this is the famous one. John, you know, where Jesus was teaching Nicodemus, you know, the learned, established, religious leader at the time, was in John chapter 3 verse 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then in the next verse he says, he goes on to say, to save the world through him. That was his purpose. So that, I think that's a great picture of the father's heart. And, um, <clears throat> and then the guy in the video there, he was talking um, and I've got this written down, Matthew 10, when he was saying, I forget, I don't know who that name of that guy was there, speaking about just going out. As you go, do this, do these things. Uh, and that was when Jesus sent out the 12 and he sent them with authority and with instructions. And in the Bible, if you read it, it's in the red letters, so it's actually Jesus speaking. And then Jesus said there, he said, this is Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, as you go, preach this message that the kingdom of God is near and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons uh, and do it freely as you have received freely. So that's what I got out of that, this intensive in Melbourne that, yeah, we're not a passenger, you know, and, <clears throat> and we're not too young or too old. <clears throat> and even in the, there's another part in the Great Commission where just before Jesus went back to heaven, he, he told them, look, I'm going to meet you at this mountain. And he gave them the great commission along these lines to go. But it said among those that were gathered, that there were some that doubted. But that didn't phase Jesus. He sent them out. He gave them the authority anyway and sent them. <clears throat> so if any word of encouragement for us, you know, even if we doubt or if we think, you know, we're a bit underqualified or a bit too old, no, don't. Let's just go. Go together. So <clears throat> four seconds left. The podium shaking, <clears throat> but I'm looking forward to the rest because this is just the beginning, and 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 the Lord's privileged us to be part of it, and I'm so grateful for that.
So thanks, Dan. And back to you. All right. Where's the countdown works? All right, Brad. Bradley. Come on up. Bradley was there. Thank you. Well, it's a great privilege to be here. We've only been part of this church for a few weeks. Uh, we'd been planned. We'd planned since like March. We got invited by my brother and his wife to go to um, the Awakening Conference with them, and so we'd been planned in advance to come. And so we didn't know that all of Glorify was going. Uh, so that was great. Uh, so we we get there on the first day, and we're like, wow, this is huge, massive stadium. There's like 50,000 seats in this stadium, right? And there's like I don't know, 8,000 people there on the first day, uh, and it's just massive, massive crowd. And we're just, oh, well, we'll go find some seats up here, end up in the member section, which I've never been in the member section at Eddie Head, so that was nice. Um, and then it's like, oh, hang on, that's Kieran, and that's Jazz. And it was just something in the Father's heart to organize that, even though we hadn't planned to go with anyone from here, God was so thinking of here, he was so thinking of glorify that he organized for us to be able to sit with on the very first session of the first day some people from here and then uh walking back from lunch about three hours later i hear this brad i thought do i do i walk around there's probably a hundred brads like <laughs> just here um but i look around and it's blue and so we could chat with uh blue and linda and robin and that was just in the first two sessions i mean 10,000 people, probably about that stage, and God organized for us to be able to connect with our new family here. Um, the other thing I really want to talk about is uh, I grew up in a little place called Elko Island in Arnhem Land. And I don't know if you know this, but there was a revival there in the late 1970s. I'm hearing some nods from over here. Um, but I was reading a book about it in my parents' house earlier this year, and something really, really struck me, and that was that the revival happened when the Aboriginal pastor went on holidays. <laughs> and the white pastor the white pastor got called by God to go somewhere else. He went to Alice Springs. And while they were gone, and the, the Aboriginal pastor actually went away with this massive burden on his heart of like, where are we going? There's, there's no direction, there's no movement. And God started arguably the biggest revival in Australian history while he was gone. Because the people got together and they prayed. And this came through, I've been hearing this in a bunch of different places, right? Through Bethel's teaching, through uh, all this different prophetic um, speaking every time uh, someone comes to Australia, I hear them speak this over Australia, that the next wave of God, what God's doing in the world isn't about big churches and it's not about stadiums and it's not about conferences and it's not about bringing in a guest speaker, it's about here. It's about the people, not the person standing here, the people sitting there. And the important thing uh, and the really cool thing about that story about Arnhem Land is that's already in our DNA, right? So you've got the prophecy coming and you've got the history coming from underneath. And so all it takes is for the people here, not, not, it's not about a conference in Melbourne, it's not about, you know, a big building slash fridge. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's about Monday, it's about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it's about how 
are you going to sit in that space with God and how are you going to live it out? Because that's where revival is coming from. Well, he's still got a minute to go, so maybe I'll uh, use his minute. No, that's good. That's awesome. Um, I've sort of broken uh, our talks into three sort of sections. When I, I spoke to everyone, I said, "Just tell me the big thing that God taught you, and and um, you know what did he, what is, it, what's the message he has for Glorify?" And there was um, just some, just some subtle themes that were coming out. Um, one was about a revelation of love. It was about the, you know, Christ in us, the revelation that people just got so caught up in. Um, and then obviously this response. Um, so what comes out of revelation should be a response. And so this next little section we want to talk about is just these people that have just heard the call, the charge, the response of grace. Um, and so we're going to invite Linda to share. I know she's written hers out. She's amazing. all. I have written mine and I, it should be spot on. Uh, when Blue, Robin and I went to the pre-awakening event in Harvest in July, we really had no idea what we were attending or the nature of the event. We just knew that we had to be there. God had awakened something in our hearts to be part of something big that was about to happen in Australia and we knew that we wanted to be part of it. And big it was. So Robin got onto it. She booked our tickets, booked the plane flights, found us a bed in the party hostel in Spencer Street. It was great. We could witness to lots of travellers in there. And we were really close to Marble Stadium. So it was just fabulous. And so began our countdown and our journey toward Melbourne for Awakening Australia. Four days together that the three of us will never forget and those from our church here will not forget. I think that's bound us together really with something. The four days were filled with amazing music, beautiful heavenly worship with thousands of voices joining together, like tens of thousands of voices joining together. The best thing was the spontaneous worship, absolute deathly silence and then a small group would break out and would just wave over the whole thing. It was just fabulous. Fabulous teaching from world-renowned leaders, including Nick Wojcik, Heidi Baker, who's just out there and fabulous, Todd White, Bill Johnson, and many, many more. Each speaker was just amazing. We had great workshops on healing, evangelism, worship, business, and then we had the opportunities to go out the streets of Melbourne and speak and pray for people speak about the love of God. All this with fellow glorifiers, which is just was wonderful and it has bound us together. Now Dan asked the question, how have I been awakened and what will I change in my lifestyle due to what has been revealed to me? That was the question asked of all of us. So each day we had a number of speakers who spoke with such clarity and conviction. Every speaker had a different style, but they were so engaging that you never took your eyes off them for a moment. You actually didn't have time to take notes because you were so in the space, the headspace with them. And it was why? Because they spoke the gospel with such truth and such honesty and such passion that you didn't want to miss one thing that they had to say. And I said, this has reaffirmed my commitment to do the same. 
and we must all do the same. At the beginning of this year, God gave me a word, just one word, and that word was bold. And I grasped that word. I was excited. I felt refreshed to go about my days knowing God was going to use me in some way. And this has happened. But I know I must now step out and become even more bold and speak out the gospel to everyone. I need to be constantly hungry for God and eager to speak out the truth. No watering down. doesn't help anyone. I need to keep listening to God and step out in faith to what he shows me who he wants me to come alongside and to talk to. Maddie Montgomery spoke on day one. He said that the hearts of the nation are being softened towards Jesus. People are becoming more receptive to the name of Jesus being spoken out to them. So I'm taking this on board and I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. I'm going to speak out to my family and friends. I'll ask people if I can pray for them. I'll tell people God loves them. I'll take Jesus to places where his name is not normally spoken. I'm going to take him with me to shopping, to the bank, to coffee, whatever, wherever. And I'll take up the challenge from Ben Fitzgerald, the director of Waking Australian, to speak about God to one person each day. I will walk in an atmosphere of love, joy and peace. I'll take that atmosphere with me wherever I go and watch that atmosphere change around me. Bill Johnson says that the atmosphere we walk in is what we spread. I want to do that. So we must remain hungry all the time. God is looking for the hungry, not the qualified. Power rests in the gospel and not in your qualifications. Ben Fitzgerald released boldness over Everyone at the conference, tens of thousands of people now have this boldness to go back home, to go back to their church and speak it out. So he spoke it out before we left, so we're equipped to step out and do the work God has planned for us. The whole awakening event was such a wonderful experience. There were people from all over Australia, different denominations coming together in unity. And that was spoken out many, many times, that how amazing that was that it didn't matter from which church you came it was certainly a special time to be a christian but don't despair it was announced this will all happen again in 2020 so see you there wow awesome awesome all right sophie come on so I've also written mine out just because I don't want to go too off map or keep true to the time this morning. Um, During Awakening Australia, God absolutely wrecked me and gave me (laughs) a burden for souls that I've never had before. I was marked with new passion, adamant to live my life for the sake of Jesus' name and glory, to spread his love on the earth. But although I promise to follow Jesus anywhere, carrying a burden for souls starts with loving people wherever you are right now. Um, I was struck by Jesus' command in Matthew 10, 7-8, and we've heard this a couple of times this morning already. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
This isn't an optional extra for some specially chosen or passionate believers, but the God-given authority that he wants every single child to move in. And that's not meant as a condemnation for those of us who haven't raised the dead yet, but also it's meant to be an encouragement that Christ in us is more than enough to do all this and more and a calling to enter into the fullness of our identity as sons and daughters. Jesus is so willing and desperate to move, but fear often keeps us captive. So a key into stepping into this commission is the breaking off of the fear of man. Just like Jesus says in Matthew 6:24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. In context, he's talking about money here, but I believe that the same spiritual principle applies for the fear of God and fear of man. Either we are fully sold out for the glory of God or part of us is holding on to our own reputation. It simply can't be both. There can definitely be an internal war for this. I've even been in meetings where they're praying for the fear of God to be broken and I'm standing there divided, like half of me, I want to just give you more Jesus, but the other half is like, what is going to happen if he breaks the fear of man? Like, am I just going to go wild? Um, So I've sort of been divided before, but um, at awakening it was my time and God fully broke the fear of man off my life and set me free to share his love. Um, Thank you, Lord. I've had encounters led by God on the streets before, but they've been few and far between, and I've never felt really fearless to share his love. It hasn't come naturally to me. Um, I've often felt inadequacy, striving, and pressure to say the right thing um, for fear that I will have missed the mark or even done damage with what I do or don't say. But God delivered me of the fear of man and was confirming to me that all he needs are people willing to be obedient and to say yes, to sow the seed and trust him for the outcome. So I just praise God for his grace in bringing us all, his grace in bringing us all on that journey as we learn to give him everything. Um, on that note, I was also absolutely in awe of the power of Jesus' salvation. The second night when literally hundreds ran to the front after just a few words of an altar call, I've never seen anything like it. A single sentence and the right parts came running to Jesus. It was such a convicting message, but it was so clear that Jesus had destined and prepared the way for every single heart to meet salvation at that exact moment. It's so simple with Jesus. We just say yes to his voice, whatever that may look like, and he brings the power to change lives forever. It takes the pressure off us because it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God working through us. As well as that, God was showing me a lot about knowing my authority as a daughter. Holy Spirit kept reminding me of something that Stephanie Gretzinger says, which is, it's not in your push, but it's in your position. Simple prayers from a heart that fully trusts the Father are so powerful. There's something that God has been speaking to me in the week leading up to awakening, but it was then confirmed over and over there during the conference. Um, In one of the healing workshops, Randy Clark was quoted saying, begging or petitioning God to heal is effectively assuming that you have more compassion than God does. I was really convicted by that, and I know that um, in my prayers often I've had that heart of, you know, just asking him and maybe repeating myself over and over, and it's like, why? I know I'm a daughter, he hears my voice, I have authority. Um, So I was really convicted to just really trust that (laughs) what he says is true, and just, um, yeah, simple prayers from a heart that knows the Father are so powerful. Uh, So I've come to the resolution that I am on the earth to carry his glory to the nations from the overflow of intimacy with his heart. 
Um, there's a great lyric that we sang over the weekend that says, there's a yes in our hearts that carries through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. So I just pray over our family here at Glorify that our yes will always be towards the Lord, that we would be so in tune with his voice and that we will follow his lead with open hearts and fully abandoned lives. God, we pray right now that you break off the fear of man over every single heart in this room, God. We just want you, Lord, and we're alive for your glory, not our own, God. So we just declare in Jesus' name, fear of man has to leave right now. Thank you, Father. We're ready to be wrecked radical lovers running after you, God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's good. All right, Kiza. Yes, Kieran. It's building, hey? Can you feel it building? Good morning. Um, I don't really like gardening, but all morning I've had pictures going through my mind of weeds, so I want to pull a weed this morning. Um, but first, um, uh, Linda mentioned hungering after God, uh, after Jesus. Um, Paul, Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. Um, but everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Yeah? Yeah, consider everything to be a loss. That word there, loss, could actually be kaupu. I consider it all kaupu compared to knowing that knowing um, the the surpassing um, the surpassing what's it the surpassing uh, uh, value the value of knowing Christ Jesus the value of knowing Christ Jesus he is so valuable. Wow, yeah, that's and that's what we're called to is to go hard after Jesus. Yeah, because he's so valuable, and um, one way we one way we um, express the value of Christ, the the value of who God is, is is through praise, um, and uh, the word praise in the Old Testament uh, it ha- is related to thanksgiving, but it's also related to confession, confessing who someone is. Yeah, Psalm one hundred three, um, my soul praised Yahweh. And all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. And then the psalmist goes on and just declares who God is. It's so cool. Um, have a read of that later. But, um, uh, yes, yeah, so with the value of Christ expressed in praise. And here's the weed. Some, some of you might believe that you, when it comes to evangelism when it comes to witnessing you have nothing to give nothing to say but um uh, one of the speakers in the evangelism workshop on the weekend said evangelism is simply the public expression of our private praise yeah and so to me evangelism is just the overflow of a heart transformed and besotted with jesus yeah we declare who god is here on a Sunday, and then we go out and we just declare who God is to the person on the train or on in, in our workplace or on the street getting a coffee next to us. Yeah? Yeah? It's that simple. So the weed is, I have nothing to say. But the truth is, let's pull that out. Everyone, imagine yourself pulling that weed out. I say, I've got something to say. Go on, say it. 
<laughs> yeah? Yeah? Um, it's, evangelism is really just a testimony, the witness of God's love for you and for the person next to you. It is giving witness to who God is, what he is like, and what he's done. And so we all have something to give, something to say. Yeah, we do it every Sunday. Yeah. So if you've got nothing to say, I'm not sure what you were doing this morning. <laughs> but declaring the praise of God is in our, in our private life is, is, is just the beginning of evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage you. Um, uh, and we did, we did this uh, in that workshop. We, we just finished by just no music, no nothing, everyone just in their own space, just praising God in their own words for who they were. And, and, this, and I was doing it in the car this morning. Just the overwhelming sense of God's love, just like it just comes so powerfully. And then it's, what, what do you do with that? You've got to get it out. <laughs> yeah? So, say after me. I have a testimony of God's love. I'll declare it in private and I'll declare it publicly. Good. Good stuff. And I want to thank everyone for doing such a great job of keeping to their five minutes. It means that everyone gets a good chat. Um, so this next little section I want to talk about just so we've had this revelation of love and then a response of love and now how do we run to the finish and so that's these next little bits so Hannah Prince is going to come up and share let's go Han good morning Woo, I'm nervous <laughs> How would I start? I would start it by the national anthem <laughs> of Australia during that conference. It says, Australia for Jesus, Australia for Jesus, Australia for Jesus, let it come. Australia for Jesus, Australia for Jesus, Australia for Jesus, let it come. Wow. That really... Um, awakens me. I've been asleep for many, probably, nah, I wouldn't say many years, but long enough, feeling that I was in transition of changing my place from Philippines and here in Australia. And that process, that changes, makes me like settle and now that I'm here, I feel like comfortable enough for what I'm doing. And I forgot. And I fall asleep. And I forgot my calling and, and my destiny of who I am and what I am and what I'm made to be. Um, that song became the national anthem of that conference. That remind, it's a reminder of us that the, fa- the reminder of Father's heart, that his heart toward Australia is to be saved. His heart towards you, towards our neighbor, towards our friends, our enemies, is to be saved. So that's Jesus. You know, Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. In 2 Corinthians 6, to go and make disciples, preach the good news, heal the sick, as Matthew 28. 
You know, so there is no question if it is God's will. We sometimes wonder, we sometimes ask, I don't know if it's really God's will for that man to be saved, or I don't know when. You know, it is not a question if it is God's will. Do you think it is? No. Because it is his will, it is his heart that everyone will will be saved. And it is not a question when, because he said now, today is the day of salvation. It means now, come on church. It's time for us to open our mouth and speak boldly. You know, that's what the others shared. Because there is no question when. We can't wait, souls can't wait. There is no tomorrow. What if tomorrow is gone? Tomorrow is, will not come. So that's a big, big challenge for us. It is very clear that today is the day of salvation because it is God's will for everyone to be saved. And this is the mandate that has no expiration. Everything has expiration, food and everything. But the calling and God's mandate for us believers has no expiration even if you are already in the golden age if you are already like sicky or become comfortable like me became comfortable of my changes like okay i've done that before i've been in the front line of ministry before and now my life changed and i think i'm okay and i forgot and when i was there two different people really came to me straight and told me who I am and what is my calling. And I said, oh, Lord, I thought I'm done. (laughs) Honestly, I said, oh, Lord, forgive me, I thought I'm done. But clearly he's not done yet. So we are God's royal priesthood. We represent God to people and people to God. So you maybe have a special calling in your life. You feel like you have a special passion to do something or, you know, you have different burning desire. You want to be a doctor, you want to be a nurse, you want to be a somebody. But that doesn't mean that you're going to stop sharing the gospel. You know, as what Bill Jensen, I remember, because he confirmed it, that what, what would you like to do in your life? Would you like, you like to, to get married or to be single? I don't know if you ever remember. And said, okay, you want to get married? Get married and then share the gospel. Heal the sick. Continue what God wants you to, to do. So there is no expiration, guys. And for us who is doing it already, I'll encourage you as what my dad always told me. There is no retirement as well in God's calling. So it is a lifetime until he comes and until he will call us home. So whatever things you do or we do, it should not be a reason for us to, to stop and to forget that we are made for what we are made for and called for. So let's all go and continue living and walking God's word, you know, as as word of God living in us, then we have to walk as God's word as well. So I, Hannah Prince, once was lost, now I'm found. Once sleeping, now awaken. Forgotten my calling, forgotten my calling, now I remember. So praise God. Thank you, Han. Wow, it's good. All right, David and Ali or just Ali? Just Ali. Righto.
I wrote mine out too because I don't trust my time, sense of time. So um, Awakening Australia for us was a wonderful time of not only people being awakened to Christ as Saviour, Lord and Healer, um, but of the church being awakened to God's call to her to fulfil the Great Commission. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. One of the things that really resonated with Dave and me was on the Sunday morning when a whole range of Australian Christian leaders spoke, a bit like this morning, like for for a brief moment each. Um, And uh, one woman whose name I don't even, never heard her name, she gave an encouragement and an exhortation to spiritual mothers and fathers to rise up. In the evening meetings, as, as people have shared, we had the joy of witnessing hundreds and hundreds of people literally run down the front to give their lives to the Lord, to, to um, rededicate, to, to all, all sorts of things. You saw the stats on the thing. And it was such a wonderful sight. Um, I found myself asking, who will parent these people in the Lord? Who will nurture them, protect them, teach them, give wisdom and lend their strength to them? Paul said in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 4, I'm not writing this to embarrass you or to shame you, but to correct you as the children I love. For although you could have countless babysitters in Christ telling you what you're doing wrong, you don't have many fathers um, who correct you in love. But I'm a true father to you, for I became your father when I gave you the gospel and brought you into union with Jesus the Anointed One. So I encourage you, my children, to follow the example that I live before you. It's Priscilla and Aquila taking Apollos under their wing to teach him more fully so then he could powerfully spread the gospel. It's Barnabas encouraging the fearful and unsteady Mark to um, uh, father him in, in, in his faith and in his gifting, brought him back. In 1 Chronicles 22, King David had a passion to build the temple for the Lord. But the Lord came and told him that he was not the one to build the temple, but his son Solomon was. But instead of just collapsing into despair over that or disappointment, he used his strength, his wisdom, his kingly influence to resource Solomon's call by amassing huge quantities of building materials and training his son. So Solomon, when it came his time, truly launched off um, his father's shoulders. And that was the language that this lady used and, and, and has been on my heart, that fathers and mothers launch those younger in Christ off their shoulders so the young don't have to reinvent everything and start from scratch. So we're a family united in Christ. We all have different gifts and strengths and each of them are very important and quite diverse, but complementary. But there's a powerful and pervasive lie the enemy whispers in the ears of older Christians. Things like, your best days are past, you're no longer relevant, young people aren't interested in what you have to say, you can't connect with the younger generation. Just because the body slows down and things are done around us in an unfamiliar way, it doesn't mean older Christians don't have much to offer. 
a lifetime or many years of travelling with the Lord with all its highs and lows, its lessons learned, the perspectives gained. When they're shared with others with love, compassion and humour, without criticism and without judgement, they're just, it's, such, it's so rich to those coming behind. We, we've got Dave and Liz Lomai visiting us today. Dave's grandma, Clarice, died this year at age 89, 90. I can't remember. It was 90. She made 90. She was my mentor. She was a mentor to many, but she was a real mother in Christ. And when I, whenever I went to see Clarice, she always listened, always encouraged, and I knew she was praying for us and her whole family. And I always came away uh, with a sense of, of um, being called up in Christ uh, with her. Parents love by feeding, cleaning, protecting, listening, encouraging, correcting, resourcing, supporting, launching, releasing, and most of all, praying. So back to that great commission, we are to go out and spread the gospel. We are also to teach and disciple those who do come in. And uh, I, I guess that's, that's my, my um, mine and Dave's, Dave's passion, um, for us to be a family where when the lost come in, because they will come in, the gospel, the fields are white, which incidentally I learnt was the fields are golden first and when they're white, white they're, it's really ready. Like it's, it's you know, uh, they will come in. For us to be a family and for, um, for the mothers and fathers in Christ to rise up to get underneath those that the Lord is is calling. Yeah, I just wanted, I didn't tell Dave this. Dave, I wondered if you could just pray for, I, I just have a, a burden for those, the young in Christ who have come in. We saw it at Awakening, but it's happening all over Australia. Just to pray that the Lord will just really provide them with the care and nurture um, that they need. Yeah. It's a good thing to run five minutes over with something like that. So. So, uh, Father, we, we thank you for your, your fatherhood love for us. We thank you that you have uh, called us. We thank you that uh, in Christ we have uh, your hope of glory uh, that flows out of each one of us. So, Father, we, uh, we ask with, um, uh, with your blessing to, to flow that you would call forth the fathers and the mothers in the faith uh, in this fellowship at Glorify. We thank you that you have uh, planted each person here with a unique purpose and calling, with unique gifting and, and abilities. And so we, uh, in the, the strength and with the, the purpose of your spirit, uh, call forth uh, your kingdom purpose in the mentoring and the, the fathering and mothering uh, in your family. So uh, bless this fellowship richly in every area provision-wise. We, uh, we declare the fatherhood provision of God over this fellowship and uh, over uh, uh, Dan and Ness uh, and over each person here. So we, we ask that you would give us each in our hearts a burning revelation of your father heart of love that we would be your hands and feet in the community and beyond this fellowship, that we would be outward focused and uh, ready to bless others with the, the blessing you have given to us. So I declare again those words from um, Matthew, uh, freely we have received, so freely give, that we may bring your kingdom love to Mount Barker and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, we got uh, before before Jazz comes. Jazz is going to give us a bit of a charge and and uh, release some fun over us. Um, but I want to just have uh, Blue and Robert. You're going to share. We're going to share you some stories, testimonies. So just a couple of these guys were able so uh, not only hear some great things, but they were able to practice some things and saw some amazing miracles and stuff. So I thought that's a good testimony to have just before we finish. Yeah. Okay. Hi, had a great weekend away. It was fabulous. Um, One of the things that I enjoyed seeing and hearing about was healing and there was a lot of testimonies that were given, um, a lot of people out on the streets that were healing as well and quite often after a guest speaker uh, we would have a time of prayer and healing um, and a particular one that resonated with us was when Bill Johnson was speaking and uh, to start with he wanted to heal a particular thing he didn't call out names but he called out an illness and it was spinal fluid he didn't know what that was I don't know what that was either Um, but a few people put up their hand and it happened to be a couple that were sitting next to us so it was the husband and then it was the wife and the wife had the spinal fluid Um, I didn't get to lay hands on her. There was People would gather around people who had their hands up and I didn't get to her. But And that's when Blue comes in, who's sitting like about five or six seats away. Yeah. And he's telling me, <laughs> tell that woman that she's just been healed. And I'm going like, what? And I'm going... You've just been healed. This man is telling me you've been healed. And she's going, yes, I know, I know. So Bill Johnson's saying, who's been healed? Wave your hands. So she was really excited that she had been healed and she had this spinal fluid for 10 years and she was completely healed. And then the husband had been prayed for. I didn't get to him either because people had gathered around. But if you hadn't been completely healed, healed bill johnson you've got to go back and get more so it's like it's a very simple prayer i command you in the name of jesus for the pain to leave your spine and you get 30 seconds and that is it so this man put his hand up he hadn't been completely healed so i went over to him and um i said oh where was the pain it was his spine so I put, there wasn't that many people around this time, so I put my hand on his back. And as I put my hand on his back, I could feel like beads moving along his spine, under his skin, and it was on his shoulder blade, and it was moving towards his spine. And at the end of it, and I even had to like have a sneaky look to see what was going on, because I'm going, well, this is pretty freaky, I can I still feel it now. Um, so it's like a chain of beads moving along like you get on vertical drapes and it's just moving along on his spine there and um, again did you get a message for him for both of them that he'd been healed and he put his hand up and yes he'd been 100% healed and he'd had this pain for 20 years and he was healed within two minutes and 
And I mean, this was happening all over, but to be able to witness it was a really fantastic sight. And, you know, to hear all the stories of healing and out on the streets, just with that very simple prayer. He doesn't want a lot of flossy talk. God knows what he what he needs to hear and we just need to be very simple with our prayer and it was so great to witness that one and all the healings that were out there yeah so thank you morning everyone um there's so many things i could share about this i've got no time limit so that's okay (laughs) But um, as it was said, it's an awakening and that's really the forefront of the whole event. And when you think of it as an event, I picture an evangelical venting, an airing of those who follow so closely in Christ to, to, to spread the word. But, uh, you know, it's, it's in all its... Uh, entirety um, the anointing and boldness that was spread beneath and under and around the people in that building was just phenomenal and it's just so great to see that uh, that this was actually happening but I just feel that you know this can continue and I just go back to two words that God gave me like probably 18 months two years ago that I never really I remembered them, but I just I was just waiting for this time when these words that I would remember that God told me would have an impact on my life. And they were cause and effect. I just woke up in the middle of the night and I had these two words, cause and effect. And it's not the first time I woke up in the middle of the night and God just gives me something and it's bang, it's just right there. And, you know, you think for whatever you cause to do, there'll be an effect and you can go on for that and like someone else that uh, um, shares uh, God moments with us at the men's shed, he says that uh, for every action there's a reaction and so for whatever you do in this world that, uh, and, and the word of God is put in front of you, for every action that you do for God there'll be a reaction and it might not be straight away, it might be two months time and you think, you know, you look at Nick Vojacek and he's got no arms and no legs yet he can get up there and preach the word of God because he doesn't need arms and legs. You just go with what you have and spread the word because we're not made to make Christians of all the people in the world. We're made to go out and make disciples of all the people in the world. So we just, we just leave that with you. And uh, like I said, if you're awakened, if there's a stirring in your heart, uh, go with it. Thank you. Thanks, Blue. All right, now we'll have Jazzy, and um, uh, we've gone a little bit over time. Uh, Jazzy's going to share, and then um, we'll have a bit of a charge, I reckon. You keen? Yeah. Yeah, we'll lead some, she's <laughs> lead some ministry. Unleash myself. Unleash. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. I know it's 12, but I really want to share my testimony from the weekend. Um, so... First of all, God healed me of my fatigue, which I've been struggling with um, since I found out I was pregnant. Um, and it's been a real tough um, trimester. And 
on the Sunday I was walking into the stadium and someone said, oh, can I pray for you? And I was like, yes, uh, you can pray for my energy um, levels. And they did. And I walked up, there was a ramp up to the second level where we were seated. And every, every time I had done that for the conference up until then, my feet were dragging. Like I'd get to the top and I'd be like, oh gosh, and I'd be so slow. Wasn't I, Kieran? Like he, 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 he probably felt like he was walking with a grandma with a walking stick and be like, and I, I literally was like that, just really fatigued. And as soon as I got prayer that morning, I was like, right up, walked up normally and got to the top and I wasn't even tired. And since then, this whole week, I've been full of energy, uh, full of joy. And I feel myself again, which is just praise Jesus, like so good. Um, and I'm waiting. So I'm, I, God told me he'd healed my thyroid, but I'm wanting to test it. So I'm off to the doctor this week. Um, I've stopped taking my thyroid medication um, and I haven't been getting tired. So I'm going to have a blood test, um, see how things are going and just confirm confirm that. But um, I'm praising God that at least my, like something's happened and I'm feeling more energetic. So that's a testimony for, for me. Um, and the other thing that happened, you've heard a lot about the, the conference, but... Um, I think it was Sunday morning, I went to the workshop, the only workshop I went to, because before then, because um, I'm pregnant, uh, <laughs> the workshops were at lunchtime or dinner time, and I was like, sorry, I need to eat. <laughs> um, so, But I went to the, this morning one, and I was running a bit late, because I was getting food, and um, uh, I was going to go to the healing workshop, where Kieran and I think you got yeah Robin was um and I walked into the wrong one and I went to the evangelism one instead I walked in I'm like oh I kind of sat down I'm like there's no you know the guys aren't here but the guy that was preaching was like on fire he was on fire and I was like I need to stay so I stayed and the more I stayed the more the Holy Spirit was like doing stuff in me and they they got people up um, they said stand up and pray um, and I just really felt the Holy Spirit starting ministering to my heart and I started um, having these visions of um, Aboriginal children and then they called, called people up the front to get prayer and so I went up the front and I just Jesus, I'm just going to move this because it's in the way um, Jesus was like behind and he was kind of ushering these children, they were all around me, all putting their hands into the middle. Um, and I was just weeping, weeping and wailing. God was revealing his heart for these children. And um, and then he also put, there was on the side in the vision, was this child in the dirt and he this child was disabled or malnourished or just broken. Um, and he put it in my heart and again, I'm just wailing like people people probably thought I would, like something seriously wrong with me but I just couldn't like the depth of pain I was feeling and love for these children um was so real and I was like God was just breaking my heart for these children and the father was behind me and holding me and was like you can he was there holding me going you can love these children um, you're able to, like the depth of um, 
the depth of pain and the heartbreak that you feel, like my love is the same and deeper and you're able to, to love beyond the heartbreak that you feel. Um, so this, this is happening and I'm like, this is, this is a miracle. So when, when Kieran and I first got married, he's, he kind of had a heart for Aboriginal people. He grew up in Alice Springs. Um, but straight away I'm like, there's no way. Like unless, unless God calls me, I am not moving <laughs> to Alice Springs. I'm not, like it just wasn't in my heart. Like, and, and over the years, I had a vision a couple of years ago of Aboriginal children. We were, I was running through a tunnel of them. They're like putting their hands up. They're all smiling. And we all jumped into a waterhole. And I can remember the vision vividly, but it didn't hit my heart. Like I, it, I put it on the shelf and I was like, this is great. But I didn't feel a sense of calling or like I needed to change. It just kind of, it just went to the side. Um, and... The day before the, the workshop, um, up in the leaders section, there were some people giving words of encouragement, prophetic words, and one of the girls was like, I see these dark children. And I was like, okay, like I've had a, I've had a, um, a vision about Aboriginal children before, so that, that kind of fits with that. And I was sharing, <laughs> it's so funny, because I was sharing to her um, how I haven't felt my heart break open for that. But if God wants to, <laughs> if God wants to break my heart open, then he can do that. And the next day he broke my heart open. So it's a miracle for me to have that. And to now I feel this sense of calling of like, I need to find and start searching for how I can fulfill this, this love that I have for these children. Um, and I don't know what that looks like yet, but yeah, it's just a miracle in me and in my heart that God would break my heart open for them. Um, and so that that's my testimony and I just, I need to find um, how I can mother these children somehow. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the future holds for that, but I'll, I'll keep searching. 